Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. That's ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Again, that's ebaymotors.com. What up, Fightful friends and family, and welcome to the inaugural Fightful Wrestling Round Table, exclusively here on Fightful, and we'll get some more programming notes afterwards, which I am Shaquille Madjuri of CBS Sports, your wonderful, gracious host, who's going to leave the bulk of the duties to the real experts. First, of course, he is managing editor, and I guess now part owner of Fightful. Yeah. He is a quote-unquote wrestling journalist, Sean Ross Sapp. How's it going? As highlighted on the show last night, I technically haven't signed the paperwork, but I'll take the title. I'll, I'll, I'll do that. Uh, glad to be here. Wonderful. Uh, of course, you know who she is grinding every day to the point where her voice has partially left her. You can see her right here on Fightful, everywhere else, Wrestling Observer and beyond. Denise Salcedo, how's it going? What's up? I am so happy to be here. I was very excited, very happy to be included with all of you people with great, perfect teeth, I may add. So thank you for bringing me on here today. And speaking of perfect teeth, he is as hardworking as he is handsome. My fellow Canadian, Chris Van Vliet, how are you? Guys, thank you so much for having me on. I can't wait for this. And I just, I, I feel honored that clearly a whole bunch of other people said no, and then you just had to include me here. That, yes, we will go with that. We will go mm. with that. Uh, now, everyone, thank you for tuning in. Before we get started, just some programming notes. The, the plan is for this to be a Fightful Select exclusive, but what better way to kick things off than with a free episode, the premiere right here on Fightful Pro Wrestling. So what that means is if you like it, and I know you already do, Make sure you subscribe to Fightful Select. We will have a Q&A portion at the end, the last 10 or 15 minutes. So save your Super Chats for then. Uh, you can ask any of us questions. We will break that stuff down for you. Candidly, I'm using a new setup here. So the Super Chats may or may not be appearing on the screen. But rest assured, I will read them one way or the other. And and the the broadcast is TBD. Like we may, If you all take to it so well that you all wanted here on youtube.com slash fightful maybe we'll do it by golly yes yes this is all sort of an ever-evolving process for the time being we're looking at a monthly roundtable sort of looking back on the month previous and what is in store friends are you ready let's do this okay topic number one in the aftermath of survivor series roman reigns big e uh this is the question i have right roman reigns has had such a wonderful run basically leading the charge across the wwe smackdown as paul Heyman would say is now the number one show and i think critically a lot of people would agree are we starting to experience any roman reigns fatigue the match with brock lesnar and that storyline was great but how do we keep things fresh moving forward especially when it looks like dwayne the rock johnson is not going to be the wrestlemania opponent this year sean honestly like as i look at things now there are some very clear opponents that are possibly set up for Roman Reigns. Xavier Woods in a title match, sure. Kofi Kingston in a title match, sure. Jeff Hardy in a title match, sure. But the reality is nobody expects any of those people to pose a serious threat to Roman Reigns. Are all those people over? Yeah. Will the matches be good? Yes, they will be. But, and even when The Rock does show up, assuming he does, not this year, but the next, 
I don't expect him to take that title off of Roman Reigns. I don't think that Brock Lesnar should. This is the run WWE always wanted, but was too stubborn to get out of their own way to produce until 2020. That being said, I am experiencing some Roman Reigns fatigue because I, I look at his immediate future and I don't see anything very compelling on the horizon. Uh, I knew Jimmy Uso wasn't going to beat him for that title, but I was interested in the story. I don't know if WWE is going to craft a story I'm that interested in in the coming months. Drew is also being set up as well, but I don't believe that Drew's going to win that title either. Exactly. I got to add to that because here's the thing about Roman Reigns is that he's definitely doing the best work of his career. I think we can all definitely agree with that. But as Sean mentioned, you look at the horizon and you look at the options of people that he has as a possibility to face other than Drew McIntyre, there really isn't. And for a lot of people that may not even be an exciting feud for me, yes, it is. But if you look at the options, they're slim pickings. And the reason for that is they haven't necessarily been building enough hot challengers you know Sean mentions that yeah there's you know they could do Jeff Hardy etc but at the end of the day you know that those people don't have a chance in hell to essentially beat Roman Reigns so when you essentially have a bunch of people like that it unfortunately tires out Roman Reigns's run so even though he's going out there every single week and consistently delivering great promos everything that he does with the bloodline his relationship with Paul Heyman his facials everything he does on the show is to a T but when you don't have anybody there or multiple people that you can sort of build up alongside with him to continue to elevate him as a champion unfortunately some people are going to feel fatigued with that but my hope honestly I do not want to see like we've gone so far down we're so far down this Roman Reigns thing I do not want to see Roman Reigns get beat whatsoever and that was one of the things that we touched on when we were doing our Survivor Series post show was the fact that unfortunately as much as we all like Big E it was the right call to have Roman Reigns win that match but it's just it's very unfortunate that there aren't other people that are essentially being built up as someone that is believable in terms of their they can actually defeat Roman Reigns so I actually feel like Roman Reigns is doing his part it's just they're not they don't have anybody else to you know continue adding to that they got to keep building more people and they need to at least make it believable uh to at least for a lot of people you know at least try and make it believable because I definitely I mean fingers crossed I really want to see Roman Reigns rock and I do want to see it here at WrestleMania in Los Angeles and I do think that Roman Reigns should defeat The Rock that's my whole line of thinking here because they've done so much to build Roman Reigns and really quickly in an interview that Paul Heyman did I think it might have been with Talk Sport um, I might be wrong on that but he basically said they're trying to build this to be you know essentially for him to break more barriers do more than even rock and Austin did. And obviously different time zones, different eras. You can't really compare the two, but I like the idea of thinking of that as a possibility. It's worth noting before, before we get into Chris Roman Reigns' run has already been longer than the rock or Steve Austin's by years at this point, they were both done gone by six, seven years in and had moved on. We're, we're, this is year we're going into year 10 of Roman Reigns. And I just think that all signs point to Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. Now that Brock Lesnar's suspension is over, it makes sense. He's a big opponent. He has these big money fights. And I think that that's what we're going to build up to. Yes, we've seen it before. Yes, we probably don't want to see it again, but it's not going to be Rock and Roman, at least not this year's WrestleMania. But what's interesting is all the press that The Rock was doing for Red Notice, which is a great film, by the way. Great, great stuff there. In the press leading up to it, a lot of my friends, a lot of my colleagues asked The Rock about uh, uh, whether he was going to have a match against Roman Reigns or whether he would return. And it basically sounded like it's not a matter of if he returns, it's a matter of when he returns. And it is crazy to think that in May of next year, The Rock turns 50 years old, 50 years old. It's crazy. And, you know, he just celebrated his 25 years in the business, but 50 years old, I think it might make sense. Maybe for The Rock is just like a a benchmark thing that he headlines WrestleMania at 50 years old in his kind of adopted hometown, if you will, of Hollywood. So I think that something's probably going to happen at the Royal Rumble, which then leads to Roman and Brock. And then we're going to see that again. 
as we wrap up on topic number one, I do want to all ask, ask each of you for your sort of hot prediction on who will eventually dethrone Roman Reigns as the world champion. Do you think it's someone who we're sort of eyeballing in the main event now, or could it be someone who's way down in terms of sort of where they progress to at this point? There's I, nobody right now. Nobody. Yeah. I, I don't think that that person exists wow. right now. I don't think, unless somebody gets so white hot, like Kofi Kingston did at one point, like uh, Brian Danielson did at one point, like Becky Lynch did at one point, that they can't be denied for that specific moment or story. I think you just rock with a historic title reign. If I, if you put a gun to my head and said, you got to pick somebody, I would say Braun Breaker. I think that he would be the guy that, by next year or by WrestleMania the following year might do it. It should not be the rock because I don't think that match needs the title. I think they have established that that family is just as important as the title. And the rock has been the real head of the table for decades of that family. Yeah. I think the greatest thing that happened to Roman reigns was COVID because without having those fanless shows they might have been trying to push roman reigns as a heel and the crowd probably wouldn't have accepted it but the greatest thing to happen was they were able to push the agenda they wanted without a reaction from the crowd either way and they're taking it and running with it and it's so funny that this is the exact reverse of what we had two years ago where roman was being shoved down our throats as a baby face and we didn't like it and now i feel like there's a certain section of the audience that's going we're tired of roman as a heel now too Denise, any, you, you say the person doesn't exist, but like, definitely, I'm sorry. Like I got to add to that. I just kind of feel like, and this is, this is actually an indictment on WWE. The fact that I can't even list a person. And I do agree with Sean when he mentioned Braun Breaker, but even to that extent, we're so far from that even being a possibility. And that is just kind of like, damn, like when you can't even think of somebody off the top of your head or even a possibility of somebody that maybe like 50% of the audience could agree on, that is not a good thing whatsoever. And again, I just got to continue on with the fact that until we start to see real stars being made this isn't gonna happen that we're not gonna see anybody because it shouldn't be it shouldn't be like it shouldn't be for example you know you already mentioned the rock it definitely should not be the rock it shouldn't be anybody that i see right now currently on the roster just because nobody is actually screaming hey this is the guy to beat uh roman reigns when it's the guy that is finally going to defeat roman reigns trust me every single person here and every single person watching is going to say hey that is the freaking guy who should be defeating roman Reigns. I think it's very telling that when I interviewed Bobby Lashley when he was WWE champion, not anywhere near the plane of booking that Roman Reigns was on, because Roman Reigns is above everybody else. I said, Who would you pick for a big time world title match? And I said, You cannot pick Goldberg or Brock Lesnar. That's cheating. And he looked around and he was like, Ah, Damian Priest. And like that was his easy answer because Damian Priest hadn't been losing. They don't, they don't protect anybody. And then they do weird things where they try to protect everybody and then it backfires. Just make people look good and make them win. Make them winners. We want to watch winners fight each other. And I just want one more thing. Here's the thing, too, is that I kind of feel like it sounds like there's like we're saying there's nobody good on the roster. That's there's not lots. the problem. That's not the problem. The problem is that nobody is being booked in a way that you're like, oh, this is good stuff here. Like this person's going to be a star. We see it and WWE sees it. That's the problem is that there's talent and there's talent there. For example, what we were just talking about this uh, last night on uh, uh, on Raw on the post show with uh, Finn Balor. Finn freaking Balor, literally having the best run in NXT, you know, back when NXT was still, you know, the black and gold brand. And now he's there falling on the ropes because I don't even know who made the ropes fall. And now he's essentially just used as a fancy jobber for Seth Rollins. James Ellsworth. My pick. Yeah. That's who did it. I'm, I'm, this is G GTV. And I would think it's probably Hornswoggle that did it. Yeah. Um, okay, with that out of the way, let's move over. Sorry, uh, viewers, got a lot of buttons to toggle here. Let's move on to topic number two, and one that uh, AW has been getting some criticism for, and that is everything we've seen from CM Punk since his mind-blowing 
stadium roaring debut with AEW. Have we seen enough? Obviously, the matches have been good, and he's been working with a lot of young talent, which is what he said he wanted to do, and I, what I think a lot of uh, AEW fans were hoping he would do. The seeds have been planted in the aftermath of full gear for a CM Punk MJF feud, which sounds fantastic, and I hope that it's something that they're going to extend for more than one or two matches. But looking back, how do we feel about the first leg of CM Punk's stint in AEW? Look, I'm just happy that there finally is a feud because up till right now, it just feels like CM Punk's been going, hey, you, I want to have a match with you. And then they have a match. Like, I loved the match with Darby Allen and CM Punk. Loved it. But there was no storytelling leading up to that match other than Darby saying best in the world in one promo and CM Punk going, I want to wrestle Darby Allen. Darby Red Fightful Select. That was the story. That was the, there was this, that was the story, yeah. I just think that CM Punk, there needs to be some like build up to these matches. I would love to see some like long-term one, two, three month storytelling so that when the match finally happens, we go, oh, I can't wait for this. Did like the matches with Powerhouse Hobbs and Daniel Garcia and Bobby Fish and Matt Seidel were fine, but there was no buildup to them. There was nothing special about those matches other than the fact that CM Punk was in them. And I, I really hope that with MJF, there's a buildup here and a storyline. Make it personal. Make us care about this match. And no disrespect to the match with Eddie Kingston because that match was unbelievable and incredible. I just wish there was a reason behind it. I wish there was a why behind it rather than the why just being CM Punk is wrestling. And him getting interrupted was not enough of a why for me. Uh, they, they could have really made the catalyst for that be something better because I thought the way that that few or that promo started out, although it ended up great being like, say you're sorry for, for interrupting me is like just the lamest thing. Now they, they got it. They, they picked it up, they saved it. And then they had a really incredible, like two week feud. And I'm okay with like those two and a half week feuds. If you can get it as white hot as punk and Kingston, Hey, fine. I'll take one half or, or like a quarter of a lame promo if you can get that result. But I agree. Like the powerhouse Hobbs build, I was like, eh, okay. And the other matches, I, I do like one thing specifically about this run. Each match has shown something different out of CM Punk. Like the catalyst for the Matt Seidel match was Leo Rush can pull some strings. And we don't know how he can pull some strings, but he made that match happen and Punk got a faster paced match. He and Bobby Fish beat the shit out of each other. They just beat the brakes off of each other. I love that. I like him working with a young guy like Daniel Garcia. I like him working with, uh, pun intended, a powerhouse like Powerhouse Hobbs. But I think the first couple of months were to establish this guy is back. He can still work. He can still promo. And I think now we're getting into the good stuff. This promo work we're about to see I think is going to make a lot of people forget if they thought the first couple of months were lackluster. I think this will erase that. So here's my thoughts on this. The reason why I'm not so like, oh my God, I don't really like what CM Punk is doing, right? Okay, so here's the thing. So when he came in, he obviously came in at the exact, you know, uh, not, excuse me. Uh, so when he came in, it was around the exact same time that we started to see uh, uh, Brian Danielson come into AEW, right? Okay, he comes in at AEW All Out. Cool. So Brian Danielson goes the route of like pulling out all of essentially all of these dream matches. You see, you know, this match with Kenny Omega, Minoru Suzuki, et cetera, right? And then you see, CM Punk go an entirely different direction but the reason why I'm not necessarily so like oh my god this sucks would this have been the way I would have wanted it originally probably not but here's what I do like about it all right so we mentioned some of the builds they maybe haven't been so great you know we talked you mentioned powerhouse Hobbs etc right but the reason why I personally liked it was because the second that he came in to AEW when CM Punk said that he was here because of the talent the young talent that AEW has and he wanted to work with them wants to see if he can still go with them and he has been doing that by doing those uh you know those one-off matches and on top of that you know one of our previous topic was building up young guys to actually be potential opponents for Roman Reigns right okay cool here we have a guy like CM Punk that if you're in the ring with CM Punk if you have a match with CM Punk that's already a win within itself 
And when these guys, you know, later on, Daniel Garcia, et cetera, when these guys essentially get to the point in AEW where they're starting to, you know, really get into that, uh, you know, and get into the next level on the roster, you can always circle back and be like, you know what, like this guy had a match earlier on with CM Punk, et cetera, et cetera. So you can tell, like, you can always reference that. Now, when it comes to uh, CM Punk and Eddie Kingston, that was some of the best work that I have seen. And yeah, I agree. The whole, um, you know, him interrupting them isn't necessarily like the precipice for the hottest feud ever, right? But the second they started doing that promo work and Eddie Kingston started addressing some of the, um, you know, real life situations from the past from several years ago where he was basically saying, what, you didn't like me because I was too fat, I ate too much, et cetera. All of these other little things that he threw in, that completely made this story for me that even though this was really just built off of this one uh this one promo it was enough for it to be one of the hottest stories coinciding with the one of the hottest longest storytelling uh match stories that we've been seeing on AEW with Hangman Page Hangman Page and Kenny Omega the fact that that storyline felt to me as hot as that one did and there were totally different lengths and times of the period of it being told to me is only credit to both Eddie Kingston and CM Punk and even that night I predicted dude you got to move them on to MJF now this is the way they got to go so the following night I mean on on Dynamite when we got to see that I was like hell yeah because I do think that uh, that's probably going to be one of the best feuds that we're going to see you know end of 2021 heading into 2022. Follow-up question, guys, before we move on to topic number three. How much do you think these one-off matches between guys like CM Punk and Brian Danielson actually do for the young talent and the mid-card talent that they work at? Is Do you, do you see like a tangible elevation in their popularity, or is it more a boost of confidence for them? Like, What are these young guys getting from having one match with a guy like Punk or Danielson? Well, QT Marshall is absolutely gaining something by being in the ring with CM Punk, because otherwise... People people were exhausted of him in that Cody verse thing. Uh, and even then, people were like, oh, really, this match? So, I mean, yeah, I think a Daniel Garcia, it does raise his profile. A lot of people expected Ricky Starks to be the one in the ring with CM Punk. And then they're like, no, no, it's powerhouse Hobbs. I think that adds to, but nobody nobody talks about it anymore. So lasting, who knows? But in the moment, it definitely shines a light and highlights that person. Yeah, I also think it gives a much needed boost of confidence for some of these Mm -hmm. guys who maybe didn't have a ton going for them. And that's something they're going to always remember. Like ask any wrestler who was in the ring with Eddie Guerrero and they will remember that moment like for the rest of their life or anyone who was in the ring with someone like Chris Benoit or Kurt Angle, like they will remember that forever. So I think that CM Punk would fall into that category now. So if a guy maybe doesn't have a storyline to grab onto right now or something that they're not necessarily proud of during their television time in, in AEW, they, their cornerstone now is going, hey, remember that night that I was in the ring with CM Punk? And I think that that's a great confidence boost for them. Now, every match they get into, because we're only seeing what's on TV, right? We're only seeing bell to bell. We're not seeing the conversations that are going on backstage as they're building that match together and trying to figure out how they can pop the crowd and work the heat and the comeback and all that. That is stuff that that young wrestler will never forget. Uh, I mean, I have to agree with guys like Daniel Garcia, like I just mentioned, that's definitely going to boost their profile. Would I have booked CM Punk QT Marshall? Hell no. I think there's certain people where I'm like, yeah, this is going to, you know, lead to something great. Uh, I would have definitely chosen a a different opponent. Sorry to the QT Marshall stance. Apologies out there, but uh, it is going to help guys like powerhouse Hobbs, Daniel Garcia, et cetera. When they, uh, Darby Allen, who obviously is at a higher level than those two guys. But at the end of the day, uh, he is still a young and new and fresh face on AEW. So, or in wrestling in general. So it does help out people like that. What I think is interesting, you know, kind of jumping off of the topic we were just talking about is we were at, we were kind of figuring out who's going to be the opponent in April for the WWE champion. We're not talking, and this is interesting. We're not talking about that with AEW. We're not saying who's going to be the opponent for so-and-so in May at double or nothing. And I, I actually think that that's really an, a really interesting thing to point out. It is because I hate, well, I'm going to have to make a comparison here, but when you got, unfortunately, 
the th- okay, here's the good thing that AEW has done. All right. The good thing that AEW has done is made you care a lot about their talents. There, you can basically say that a ma- huge majority of the roster you care about. So even though they may not be in the title picture or anything like that, they give you enough to make you care about that person. So when that they do get put in these higher profile opportunities or these high profile matches, you say, you know what? I care because they've been doing a good job with this person. That's why so many people cared when you saw jungle boy versus kenny omega had they not done everything that they did prior to this with jungle boy we wouldn't have cared of jungle boy versus kenny omega same exact thing with uh cm punk and darby allen why did we care about cm punk darby allen because of everything that they did with darby allen prior to this uh prior to that match with cm punk and there's more examples of that and that's one of the key things is that you got to make the audience care about the people that you're putting out there on your television screens they're, they're very deep too like Paige, Omega, Adam Cole, Moxley, Brian Danielson, Jericho, uh, Punk, Cody, Christian Cage. Like Christian Cage beat Kenny Omega in a title match. Uh, MJF as well. Like they go like 10 deep and we haven't even mentioned like Darby and Sting and people like that that are, that are big names there as well. They have established that going to the tag team division is not a step backwards. It's a step to the side as well. It is, it is just the most elementary thing. You make your prizes mean the most. You make winning and losing mean the most. That way you can spawn stories out of each one of those. Because when those things matter, everything underneath it matters more. It reminds me in a way of how ECW did their booking. You know, someone's music would just hit after a title match was over. Someone's music would just hit. and You'd be like, ah, of course that person's coming out. This is great. It didn't matter who it was. It didn't matter what position on the card it was. You cared about everyone. And I, I mean, that's obviously a testament to the fact that Tony Khan is an ECW fan. But I love that style of booking that if someone was in a high profile match, you don't go, why is this happening? You go, oh, that's interesting. I'm intrigued. All right, let's move on to topic number three. And uh, this is, this is I don't know, it's been a weird one, especially if you look at some of like the more tabloid-esque wrestling websites and what they've been posting. But there's been a lot of drama around Charlotte Flair. Uh, reports that she's been difficult to work with, demanding during this recent run in WWE. So much to the point that people are now inquiring about uh, what appears that like, her partner, um, Andrade El Idolo, unfollowed her on social media. I, I don't know what to make if I want to make anything of that. But the question uh, remains, especially in the lead-up to Survivor Series, there was um, almost like a work element tied into the backstage reports about Becky Lynch and Charlotte getting really heated. You had Big E saying, oh yeah, they used to be friends and now they're not. You had um, Becky Lynch on the MMA Hour with Ariel Helwani sort of playing that up too. At this stage, what do you guys think is going on with Charlotte Flair as it pertains to her relationship with her colleagues and backstage? Is it as bad as the reports are making it out to be? I feel like this is a Sean Ross Sapp question. I I do have some unique insight on that because I I think I was on the air with Kate Hensler. I can't remember if it was Kate or Denise. Uh, I can't because I can't remember if the title exchange was on Raw or SmackDown, but by the end of that show, yeah, by the end of that show, I had people messaging me and they're saying something went down. You need to inquire about it. And the reality of the situation was everybody was fresh off a plane from Saudi Arabia and they were ready to get the hell home. So not that many people witnessed what happened, but Charlotte did not go with the way that things were supposed to go. And I know there are a lot of people that were convinced that was just straight up a work at that point. It wasn't, it absolutely wasn't. And if it was, the story would have been a lot more entertaining than the, than somebody threw a title belt down. It would have been, they came to blows backstage, et cetera. I did hear within that night that there were some people that saw, or that they said that they felt like Charlotte had changed in recent years. However, when I can tell that, a sort of line of discussion is coming from the WDB side of things about this person is difficult to work with. I think to myself, are they really, are they really that tough to work with? Cause we've heard that come out about Keith Lee. We've heard that come out about Bray Wyatt, the latter two after their releases, when I feel like WDB was trying to mitigate some of the, the criticism of them releasing people. Um, I, I think there should probably be some more people that are difficult to work with if we're talking about booking. 
because they book really, really poorly. And if difficult to work with actually means this person said, should we be doing this? Should I be losing all the time when I've got this potential to be, et cetera? I'm okay with that. Now, if it's something well beyond that, which I haven't necessarily heard, then that that is problematic. But I've had a lot of the same people say, yeah, she's had her issues professionally with how she deals with things. But then they, in the same breath, they'll say, but personally, she's great and we all like her. So uh, it is a very thin line to sort of walk. Man, to add to that, I just think that if you are a top star and Charlotte Flair is a top star, Becky Lynch is a top star, you are allowed to get upset if you do not like the creative direction in which, uh, you know, things are moving, regardless if you're a man, regardless if you're a woman, if you are a top star, star, you have earned the right to go out there and say, I don't agree with this. I don't like this. And so when people were painting and we saw all of these like articles coming out and everybody was just making Charlotte Flair look really bad. Like they were really painting her as a bad guy, really painting her as the villain. And I kind of felt like it was honestly, I, per, from my, my personal opinion, seeing that I thought it was a little unfair to say that, but again, I wasn't there. So I do not know, but just from what I saw, I kind of felt bad that people were making her to seem, to seem like the bad guy. And you know, everything that kind of went off from there, you kind of saw, once it started to sort of work into the story you started to see a little bit more of that you started to see you know Becky Lynch coming out and saying you know sometimes a locker room needs a superhero I'm okay being that superhero you saw Charlotte Flair address the fact that if she were if she were a man nobody would be giving you know two you know two they, nobody would care right or they wouldn't care necessarily as much because at the end of the day when you got a story where you got two women that hate each other oh people People are gonna love that they're gonna be like hell yeah like cat fights let's go um so at the end of the day that's gonna be very appealing and that is a story that is going to sell now in terms of them working this into the storyline i love it i think they should i think they got something there uh given the fact that creative has not been that great hell if you can incorporate this real life situation into the story take the dang opportunity and from what we saw at survivor series that was the best match of the night and they definitely delivered i've got to wonder what's going on personally for charlotte flair with like how much fallout is she feeling from some of the comments that andrade has made or some of the comments that her father has made you know saying that Becky Lynch stole her, his catchphrase and that WWE is erasing his legacy and everything that happened after that Dark Side of the Ring episode. I, I really wonder how much of that falls back onto Charlotte and does that have anything to do with all of these reports and everything that's going on here? I would really, I'd really wonder what's happening there because she's in a really tough position right? She's being pulled in many, many different ways, both personally and professionally and However, she's been handling this. It's got to be. It's got to be such a difficult, difficult situation for her. So, I think we're only seeing the tip of the iceberg here. But I agree with you guys that when reality can kind of mimic what's going on, and like when you can work people into a shoot or shoot people into a work, that's exciting. Like one of the pay per views that I knew I had to buy growing up is when the Matt Hardy and Edge stuff was going on. I'm like, wait a second, they're gonna have a match? Like. Like these guys hate each other, like legitimately hate each other. I had to buy that pay-per-view. And then I was like, oh, they were just like professionals in the ring. That was fine. But (laughs) I think that when that stuff happens, especially now, like with the access to the internet that we have right now and the access to all of this information, fans feel like they're in the know all the time. And when people can sit back and question, is this for real? Or is this a storyline? I think that's when they've got us. Fightfulselect.com. I'm glad that Chris brought up the whole uh, everything that Charlotte may be dealing with, because seriously, let's think about that for a second. Okay. You got people attacking you left and right because they don't like the way you're being booked. They don't like that. You're quote unquote, stealing opportunities from other women. They they're wondering, is she going to AEW? Is she not going to AEW? You mentioned the dark side of the ring stuff, her father, at the end of the day, it's her father. And you know, all of this stuff is coming out about him. I, I, 
you can't help but to be like, dang, there's only a certain there's only a certain amount of negativity or drama that one person can necessarily take. I'm sorry, but I would not be able to handle any of that. So more power to her. And and the creative does suck. So they have to rely on what's rooted in reality. I don't think it's exclusive to women or like a cat fight or anything. I think people just like the idea of real conflict and what might happen if it spills over. Like, unless you're that guy who did what he did last night attacking Seth Rollins, you pretty well know this is scripted. You pretty well know you're there for the ride. But that element of realism, it adds so much. Since Denise brought it up and we want to continue shoveling speculation onto Charlotte Flair, uh, in the next three years, do we see Charlotte Flair in AEW? She just did an interview right now uh, recently. I forgot with who, though, where she said she didn't work that hard. She didn't work this hard to essentially give up and say goodbye. Obviously, three years is a lot. Three months, three weeks in wrestling, a lot can happen. So obviously, we've heard people say things in interviews and on Twitter and all these social media sites and then end up doing the polar opposite. Uh, We've seen that a lot. But I mean, that's the latest that I've seen about in regards to that. Do I think she'd go to AEW? I, I, I don't know. As things stand now, I don't think so. If WWE sells and there's like a major restructuring and contracts and payouts, I think it's possible. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I would put her in the same category as like Roman Reigns. Like Mm. I could never see Roman Reigns going anywhere else. But what I think's interesting at the root of this question is we're we're always saying when so-and-so goes to AEW, what's going to happen when someone from AEW jump ship and goes to WWE because my friends, that's going to happen one day. And I don't feel like anyone has ever talked about that, but one day WWE is going to lure somebody away from AEW. And this whole narrative that's going on right now is going to get completely turned on its head. It's it's not a sexy pick, but I'm going with Brian cage (laughs) to to WWE. That's interesting. Yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, that could, that could happen. All right. Uh, Speaking of AEW and someone who probably won't be jumping ship anytime soon. Hangman Adam Page finally crowned AEW world champion in a great match with Kenny Omega. All the more impressive when you think about all the health complications that Kenny Omega has had over the last while. Um, The question is, like Denise said during some of the other topics, uh, I think the CM Punk one, this has been one of AEW's longest-running feuds. The, the, the separation of Hangman Page from the Elite. Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page teaming and then splitting. Kenny beating Adam Page to get that world title shot. Um, did it live up to expectations? I think there's a portion of the audience, and, and this is 100% what I think Adam Page should have done, which is take time off for his newborn. But do you think that at all stifled the momentum of that feud? Did it not... Looking back, how do we grade this feud now that it's wrapped up, at least this iteration of it? All right, I'll guess I'll get started. All right, so here we go. I got to say that for a second, I had to agree with your statement where for a second, I personally felt that that feud had stifled when he sort of, you know, took time off for personal reasons. Uh, I did kind of feel like, man, ooh, this feels like a little like we just hit the brakes here. Like we were going, we were going. And now it's like they put a big pause to it. And then we went another direction with Christian Cage kind of threw me for for a loop here. Right. But then when he came back and people were losing their minds with the cowboy shit and all of this, I thought, well, joke's on me. He's clearly still over. Uh, People are still clearly interested in this story. And I was there that night. I was there, you know, uh, given that the crowd, I will say, was not always completely invested in every single thing that was happening in on that show when this match was on everybody was hanging on to every single move that you saw every little thing that they did the people were just like you know eyes focused in the ring and everybody knew that that moment was coming with hangman page getting that getting that win and when he finally did like people lost their minds and even afterwards when we did that post media scrum you come out here and you have this freaking guy who's just just genuinely very likable like people just love the guy and he's going out there and he's just like uh you know i i didn't know what it was about me that I thought people were going to, we weren't going to like me and I wasn't sure how I was going to get over. And I'm like, this, 
this guy like he doesn't even realize he's getting over just by being so humble and so honest so um in terms of like would it have been better had they not necessarily you know sidetracked for a little bit yes but did it hurt it at the end of the day I wouldn't say so much because people were still marking out and you know freaking out and all of it so I would probably give it if I had to give it a grade I'd probably give it like a like an A I think I think oh, that's Chris, fair. Chris is shocked. Yeah, I think no, that's think... pretty like you were like, I guess I'd give it, you know, <laughs> so the best mark I could give it. An A. It, what? There, I mean, there's a, a plus, A plus plus, A minus, B plus. I don't know if there's A plus plus, is there? Yeah, there is a plus. A plus. Have you not gotten the keener vibe not, from not Denise based on how much she works? So I've gotten the keener well, vibe. It's A plus or nothing with that girl. I'm with Denise. Like there was a time like when he took that time off, I go, well, is it going to happen now? Because in the meantime, Adam Cole, Brian Danielson, uh, CM Punk are showing up it, it like while hangman page is just hitting the bricks, but then he cut that promo. And if there's, if there's one thing more baby face about chasing your dreams, it's being able to put that on pause to have a child, have a human like come into your life that you're taking care of. And people understood that. Um, I, I do think there were some little things that they could have done to make it a little bit better. Uh, apologizing is a very babyface move and hangman page was doing that. I think it would have been really cool if he even said to dark order, you guys deserve a lot better than me. And I understand if you won't have my back and then they do have his back leading up to that match and they run off the elite. They make them hit the bricks and that sort of reinforces that friendship that uh, he doubted himself, but they never doubted him. I also would have never had Christian go over Kenny Omega. That was so needless, so pointless. Uh, it, it didn't necessarily sidetrack the momentum a lot, but that was always a part of the deal was that an AEW star would put over an impact star. But it just in the middle of all that, I felt like it was so unnecessary and unneeded and maybe if Hangman Page didn't take time off, it would have adjusted that. But other than that, this was a brilliant story that Tony Khan has crafted and, and changed to uh, better suit the viewer. He told me at the media scrum, he knew who the first four champions were going to be. He knew all along. And of course, things changed along the way, but these were always going to be those four champions. So I, I mean, they had me so convinced that they were considering Hangman as that first champion that I, I bought it until until recently. So um, I, I got to give him an A on this too. This is one of the best stories I've witnessed be told in pro wrestling. This feels like a story of redemption. Like I, I think that that's what it really is because Hangman wins the Casino Battle Royale at Double or Nothing. Then he gets the title shot against Jericho, you know, to, claim, or to crown the first ever champion. I think there were a lot of people that were like, I'm, pretty sure hangman's gonna win like it makes sense i totally understand why jericho is the first AEW champion i think that was a really smart move what i love about this is hangman is now the first AEW original AEW champion you know he's the first guy you know who, sure he wrestled in other places but i think that when we think of hangman we think AEW. Mm. when you think of chris jericho you think of wcw or wwe when you think of kenny omega you think of everywhere where he's wrestled new japan think of moxley you think of wwe but hangman is an AEW guy and i think it's great and i i think that this story actually could have gone on longer if they wanted really could have like held up like had us going man i want this so badly but the way that it played out i'll agree with denise it was, it's an a I, you know i'll even give it an a plus wow, wow. the scale damn goodness goodness <laughs> I'll, I'll go with an a as well uh since i apparently this is going to be part of these roundtables moving forward quick predictions who will eventually dethrone hangman adam page mjf title mjf gotta be mjf I want, I want to just, I want to tag on to what I was just saying there. Yeah. I also love that it wasn't just Brian Danielson showing up, winning the title within a month or two or three. I love that it wasn't Adam Cole showing up and winning it in a month or two or three and CM Punk, same thing. I love that it was someone who had been on that path for a long time. So MJF makes sense. I think MJF will be the AEW champion sometime in 2022. I, th I think John Moxley could become champion again too after he's back and he's healthy. Um, 
there there Great is story a story, redemption there yeah there is a story there and the the attitude that he had before this was i don't care about any of you i care about renee and my kid and that's it and i'm here to make as much money in as short a time as possible oh my gosh i think even now with what he's going through that that will be accelerated mm. okay. man it would be there's see that's the thing there's a lot of options for people that you know you want to see at some point become champion i i feel like for me i still want to see how this story continues to evolve and you know who does what and, uh throughout the coming weeks and months etc mjf the story that they're telling right now does make sense and depending on how things go with him and cm punk and all of that, that's going to be very interesting. I do think that if they are going to make MJF uh, Hangman Page's next opponent at Revolution, I do think that MJF should defeat CM Punk. If that's not the option, that if that's not the direction that they're heading in, then I do think that that uh, MJF should move on to that story with Wardlow because they have been telling that story as well. So you don't want to skip over that since they've been planting the seeds for that for quite a bit. So it is going to be interesting to see where they're going to go. And that's the thing. You got options. Options are good. I would have to think that CM Punk's first loss comes to MJF or comes from MJF. I would have to think that. And then where does MJF go from there? But I would think into the title picture. So yeah. SRS, I think you're on to something. Uh, I do actually want to follow up with one point before we move on to the Q&A. So guys, if you have questions, please, this is the time to leave a super chat. $5, 50000 I'm sure Sean has his preference, but yeah. anything will do. Um, this, is, this is a Chris Van Vliet question. It's really out of the soul of things. What is it about AEW and the talent and the people that are coming over there that appears so much more giving with their star power than let's say WCW was at times where the main eventers were so eager to keep on to their spot. Because what we're saying is that Danielson is not going to go over Hangman Adam Page. That's what we're saying if we're all agreeing it's MJF. You guys are saying CM Punk might lose to MJF. What is going on that these guys who've accomplished so much are so willing to take that L for the new guys? I, I can tell you why because I've talked to a lot of these people. It's that losing isn't the end of the world. It doesn't mean the end of your push. Those stakes matter, as we mentioned. There's, there's more than one prize that matters there. And as, as mentioned, being in a tag team, being in a trios, taking some time off and being cycled out doesn't mean you're forgotten about. So there, there's a lot more emotion. A, a lot of times, these people just want to be creative, and you don't necessarily have to have a fancy gold belt to do that. Additionally, I'll just add that I think right now people I've been hearing like so many different talents across the board say this, the whole the iron sharpens iron quote. Everybody's been saying that left and right, because that's true. I mean, you can be taking an L, right? Hell, that's better than no TV time and being forgotten about. And all of a sudden you ain't getting TV. Uh, I'm sorry, but I just think that nowadays more people are a lot smarter in the sense that, hey, just because I'm not going over doesn't mean I'm not actually getting over. Mm. I also think that like we're only two and a half, basically two years into AEW television. We're still, I think, very much in the honeymoon phase right now. And things are working really well. And fans, AEW fans are really happy. I think it'd be really interesting, Shaq, to ask that question five years from now when we're seven years into this and see, you know, have some of the egos taken over or do things remain the same. But for now, it seems to be that everyone's just excited to be there. And a lot of people who have left WWE are excited for the fact that they have creative control here or they have the ability to do what they want. Yeah, I'll add in closing before we move on to the Q&A. And I did talk to CM Punk about a month or two ago for entertainment tonight canada and one thing he discussed is how the meek have inherited the earth and what he means by that is the people who are the reason in part that superhero movies are so big and pro wrestling seems to be having this resurgence is because a lot of the people at the helm of these things are the nerds and the geeks who grew up loving them and where perhaps in other generations of pro wrestling you had people you know wrestlers getting scouted at gold's gym you now have a lot of people in the sport who love pro wrestling. And you can tell from Brian Danielson and CM Punk that those are the guys who were maybe seeking uh, something else to quench their thirst with AEW. So I think you do have people in this sport a lot more now who love the same thing the fans love out of pro wrestling. 
Okay, Q&A time. Will the Super Chats appear on screen? I really do not know. It doesn't look like it, but we'll go to this shot anyway. And then we'll go back because I totally messed it up. But I do have the Super Chats here on the side. So let's get going. I apologize that you won't get your sticker on there, but I will read out your name and all that good stuff. First, not a question, but a Super Chat donation. All the same and a really good one from Zach Shamel. I hope everyone's having a great day. Today is my anniversary with my wife. We have been married hey. for two years and got some 12-year-old scotch for today. Chris, I said I was going to hand out these questions, so I, I put onto you the responsibility of toasting the happy couple in their scotch. Oh, my gosh. Well, <clears throat> whatever you guys have in your glass here. What's, what's his name again? Zach. Zach. Zach, I, I've known you for such a long time, and I knew that when you guys met that you'd be together forever. I'm truly so happy, so honored to be able to share this with you. And here's to so many more. Cheers to you guys. Beautiful, heartwarming. Uh, thank you for the 499, Zach. Over to Throwback27 with his $5 donation. Just wanted to say happy Thanksgiving early to everyone of the Fightful family, except me up here in Canada. Just be happy, healthy, and safe out there. Much love, guys. Denise? What should Throwback eat for Thanksgiving this year? Please eat lots of food. You only live one time, so it's okay if you eat a lot and those buttons, you got to un- you gotta, you know, un- you know, undo them. Enjoy the food. Please eat bread and butter on my behalf. De- get all the butter, all the butter. And please stuff yourself with stuffing. Oh, and turkey makes you sleepy, so make sure you drink a lot of soda. That's my, that's my Thanksgiving tip. Don't drink a lot of soda. That is terrible. Okay, fine. I'm sorry. Don't have fun on Thanksgiving. What is the single best item on a thing on a traditional Thanksgiving display? Is this for me? Oh, anyone, anyone. Let's go. Stuffing. I like stuffing. Yeah, stuffing. Is everyone on board? SRS. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you had an extra hour in your day, what is the first thing that you would do? Read a book. Take a nap play some video games, do something for a friend, volunteer. A lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time. But the question is, time for what? And if it was unlimited, how would you go about using it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important for you and to make it a priority. And therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is so valuable. It's gotten me through some tough times, really helped me reflect on things that are important, specifically with BetterHelp. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be the convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. This is so beneficial when you've got that crammed schedule and you can't even imagine finding that extra hour. You can do it all from home. Fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Fightful today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Fightful. It's so flexible and it can help you find that social sweet spot with BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp.com slash Fightful. Or he's just really so passionate. Sorry, I was saying out. stuffing repeatedly. All right. <laughs> stuffing and encouraging you to move on to the next question. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's go to Raphael or Raphael, depending on where you're at. With fans losing their minds, if WWE had a malice in the palace, who is Ron Artest and who is Steven oh. Jackson? MVP was all too excited to beat somebody's ass last night after the show. Also, Shayna Baszler, if you all haven't heard the story about her and Jessamine Duke, uh, basically disarming a couple of dudes with ball bats at one point and then beating their asses. Uh, yeah, I think those are my picks. Oh, yeah, that years night? ago. Or years, years ago. ago. Right, years yeah. ago. Okay, good. Not that night. Oh, no. Crazy, <sighs> crazy crowd. Uh, yeah. All right, let's go over to ShotKid29. Two questions, so we'll combine them into one. First, how much longer does NXT UK last? Second, could GCW grow to where it actually signs talent and effectively fills the gap left by Ring of Honor? I'll go to Sean for this one since he interrupted last time. Um, no, I don't think so for a couple reasons. 
GCW a lot of times relies on the fact that they have talent signed to other companies. And if they get to that stage, they're not going to be able to have that. Now, that being said, you do have the Effies, you have the AJ Grays, you have uh, the entire deathmatch scene that is not implemented into other other companies. But I think that a lot of their success relies on them being sort of the underground and and utilizing talents that are seen elsewhere too. Apologize, I was reading. Did you uh, the NXT UK last? How long of a oh, lifespan? Oh, the, the NXT UK last. Uh, next year if walter leaves then if walter comes to the states then i don't think it'll be around a few months after that okay uh yoko Littner, thank you for your five dollars of the four pillars which do you think are the most crucial to well it is i guess we'll name one which do you think is the most crucial to the long-term success of aw help me step host they got a super chat donations so they got the bit in oh uh, you know what they did say it plural so we'll go for two one for Chris, one for Denise. Chris, who do I'll you just, think is the most I, I think it's MJF because whether you're a casual fan or you're a hardcore fan, you're probably talking about MJF and the amazing heel work that he does. He's just not a nice person, though. So, you know, I wish him the absolute worst. Yeah. Yeah, I Look, I just feel like everybody plays a part and everybody is pivotal in the growth of AEW. But I do like that answer for Chris, that Chris just gave with MJF because you do think of people that can sort of attract all different types of audiences. So I do have to agree with that answer as well. Okay, uh, Denise, we'll throw to you very quickly for the follow-up. Who do you think is the second most important and why is it Jungle Boy? Jungle Boy is literally... <sighs> Look, Jungle Boy, I got to put over Jungle Boy because he is somebody that... Are you telling me to hurry up? Sorry. No, no, Um, no. I'm just smitten with Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy is literally the type of person that every time he goes out there and he has a match, you're just like, this is exactly why the future and building stars and focusing on those talents is important. Every time he goes out there, it's honestly a reminder of why you are a fan of Jungle Boy. Uh, Dude... Jungle Boy has had a, such a tremendous amount of growth in AEW, and you just see it each and every single time. I mean, I could go on here forever and talk about why I like Jungle Boy, but that's kind of the gist of it. All right. Uh, da- over to Daniel R. Who should beat Roman Reigns? We did discuss this earlier, but Sean, Walter was brought up. Do you see a world in which Walter beats Roman Reigns? <sighs> Not in the world in which Vince McMahon exists because he beat him at Survivor Series in like three minutes when he popped up, but um, it it depends on how Walter translates over here. If people believe him as some killing machine, then, then yeah, sure. But otherwise it it has to be reliant on the reaction and the story. Uh, Joey bag of donuts. Thank you for your donation. And I'm, I'm scared to ask this SRS. Why didn't you tell us you have an identical twin? I imagine he's not talking about Chris Van Vliet and I really hope he's not talking about me. No, uh, I guess Denise and I look alike. I see. Well, people already think that you and I are brother and sister. I don't know how. You're not? <laughs> We're step hosts. Uh, <laughs> Although I, I will... I will. One of you it. also no, stuck in something? <laughs> okay, we'll move on from that, Chris. Uh, <laughs> okay, over to Drew Nichols. <laughs> This is following a Q&A. Great idea. Great for money. <laughs> terrible for my mental health. Uh, Drew Nichols with a 10. And sorry, Drew Nicholas. Excuse me. Hi, buddy. Nice to see you, Drew. Which wrestling company do you all think is the one to look out for the most outside of WWE, AEW, and Impact? For time restraints, uh, can we do a one-word answer? And then maybe I'll pick someone to elaborate. Sean, one word. New Japan and New Japan Strong. Technically five words, but I got, I got you. One promotion, Chris Van Vliet. Yeah, New Japan. Denise Salcedo. GCW. Uh, I'm sensing a little bit of, yes, I'm sensing a little bit of bias as well. Mm. But I do believe it. Um, Denise, since you were the answer to deviate, why GCW? Dude, I think that they're actually one of the companies that is doing a really good job at actually including all types of different performers and different types of uh uh, people that, you know, wrestlers from around the world. Did they just had Psycho Clown? They're going to have Negro Casas. I mean, they're bringing out some really awesome names to their shows and they are kind of, they're trying different things. You got to applaud them for that. I'm sorry, but they put on, I'm not just saying this because I, I ring announce all the LA shows, but uh, they generally 
they have some real, they genuinely have some really good shows and some great matches and great talent. We will go to Chris Van Vliet for this one, and then maybe we can get a one-word answer from the other guys. Uh, Brandon Charles Powell, thank you for your $5 donation. What is your favorite pro wrestling match of all time? Chris, I'll oh. give you the floor to gush a little I bit. I mean, the my favorite match is the greatest match of all time. <clears throat> I still have the poster here. WrestleMania 18, so Rock versus Hogan. I was 18 when I went to that, and... That crowd reaction, especially with everything we just experienced over this last year and a half where there was was no crowd reaction, that's what made that match so special. The crowd was basically going in there thinking they were going to cheer for The Rock. As soon as they went in the ring, everybody turned, myself included, on The Rock and started cheering for Hogan. And the first time I interviewed Rock, I've interviewed The Rock nine times. Have I mentioned? I don't think I mentioned that, but... The first time I interviewed him, I said, my favorite, my favorite match of all time is you versus Hogan, WrestleMania 18. He goes, oh yeah, who are you cheering for? (laughs) I was cheering for Hogan. He goes, me too. (laughs) (laughs) I once got a retweet from the rocks, you know, Hey, uh, SRS one word or one match answer. Uh, Danielson styles, Samoa Joe, uh, unbreakable. Oh five TNA. Okay, and guys, if you're thinking about sending a super chat, we are wrapping up for the time, only so five star money. match in the history of TNA. Yeah, crazy! Um, it's amazing. Denise, one word answer match, or one match answer? Samoa Joe, Kenta Kabashi, Ring of Honor, hands so, down, that's a good one, freaking amazing match. I thought I was going to be alone in this. Samoa Joe, <laughs> Christopher Daniels, AJ Styles. <sighs> Did I say Daniel? I, I feel like I said Danielson. Uh, I meant Daniels, <laughs> Joe Styles. <laughs> So three people had a match that included Samoa Joe. But isn't it crazy that in the, because I think that Sean will probably know this better than me. Didn't impact recently have a five-star match or had, I don't think so. So, so impact or slash TNAs still only had one five-star match in the history of the company. I believe so. And AEW's had 15. Or yeah, something like that. I also oh. feel like over time, the like the way those are rated has probably evolved to uh, either intentionally or unintentionally. But I anyway. feel like literally any AJ Styles match from 05 to 08 probably was a five star. Yeah, match. I mean, he's he was incredible. Yeah, and every Kurt Ma- Kurt Angle match in Impact too. Mm-hmm. All right, and the last super chat donation of the day. Thank you to Christian Knight for his four nine nine donation. Who are the next four AEW World Champions? It feels like. AEW is heading into phase two and guys that were big on the mid card are ready to headline. I'm going to hot potato this. The first person who has four names shoot. Adam Cole. We already said MJF. Um, I'd probably say Darby Allen at some point. I think he would be somebody uh, jungle boy at some day at some point. I think Danielson has to be thrown in there as one of the Danielson has to be as well. And I think, um, I think there's a possibility Kingston or Punk become it like that, that sort of last run, does he have it in him type of thing uh, as a possibility. Okay. I like the sound of it. Sean, give me your four in order real quick. Oh, in order? Yeah. Oh, I don't. I, well, we're you talking know what about number one is. We're, yeah, it's MJF, but we're talking about four. It takes two hey, years. Tony Khan had it planned out. Yeah. <laughs> I telling me you Khan. probably still does have it planned out. <laughs> he, probably, he probably does still have it planned out. Uh, I don't, I, gosh, I don't know. MJF, then I'll say Danielson out of that. Um, Maybe Moxley again. And then I'll go Punk. Is it ever Jericho again? No, I don't think so. But you can only ever have one first, so shout out to Y2J. Uh, Everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to the inaugural episode of Fightful's Wrestling Roundtable, what the future holds in store. I don't know, but we will be back next month, either here on Fightful Select. Sean, Denise, Chris, I want to thank you all so much for your time. Sean, do we have a second for everyone to do their plugs? Sure. Fightfulselect.com, that's the ultimate plug. Fightfulmag.com. Denise? All right, youtube.com slash Denise Salcedo. Uh, please check out my show, Speak Now Pro Wrestling, three times a week on F4W and Twitter and Instagram at underscore Denise Salcedo. Please follow me on Twitter. I'm almost at 50K. YouTube.com slash Chris Van Vliet, at Chris Van Vliet on all social media and Insight with Chris Van Vliet is my podcast. So wherever you listen to podcasts, 
give it a subscription there because I actually do more interviews on the podcast than I post on the YouTube channel. And it sounds like there's going to be a collaboration between SRS and CVV. Amazing. Guys, uh, my life's topsy-turvy, but I just started with CBS Sports yesterday, so look out there for my MMA, pro wrestling coverage. And uh, I'll have to learn. Thank you, Chris. I'll have to learn about boxing, so I don't know. Ahead from my back end on that one, but I should have some AEW interviews in the book soon. Keep an eye out. You can follow me on Twitter at Shaq underscore food. That's Shaq with a K. Thank you all for your Super Chat donations. Thank you for tuning in for this inaugural episode. Please hit us up. Let us know what you like. And of course, subscribe to Fightful Pro Wrestling. We will see you all next time on this Wrestling Roundtable. Fight.